This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, business storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. Thanks for listening. This is episode 262. We're getting close to 300 episodes here. Who would have thought? Still publishing daily shows for the rest of this year and next year we might slow down. The keyword is we might. We'll see. My mind is not made up on that quite yet. Today I want to talk about PPC a little bit. And what's interesting about this topic, when I started in content marketing, you know what content marketers would do? They would run around and say, we are content marketers. We don't do any paid advertising. What's 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 advertisement? That's that's a, the the dark side or whatever. Maybe I'm overstating that here, but certainly it was very very um, split apart. And I don't know if that's still possible today. So let's find out. Today's expert Nava Hopkins. She's the director of paid media over at Hennessy.com. If you want to check them out. We'll have the link here in the show notes. She's a top 25 PPC expert. Um, and let's get her on the show. Nava, how's it going today? Having me, uh, it's it's going beautifully well. Uh, we, we've got the, the crisp uh, December winds, uh, beautiful sunny day. It's, it's, it's the, the best way to start the day, talking about content and PPC. Well, thanks for coming on the show. So let's get started on PPC. How did you get... Uh, into that area anyways what's the interest uh, you know why is that your focus dare I say passion uh dare dare to say it um <laughs> I, I actually will sometimes call myself a, a bit of a for, for those that are Star Wars fans a PPC Sith uh, and, and passion is, is at the heart of all that we do um, so it's actually really interesting I when I when I was going uh, to school uh, my burning passion was to be an English teacher um, but then I realized I would be both poor and ineffectual, which just didn't sit well with me. Uh, and I had a really profound conversation uh, with a family member who was in PR. And she said, Nava, what are you doing? You're fighting your nature. Uh, you, were, you were born and you're hardwired to be a marketer. Go into marketing. You'll have fun. You'll make money. It, you'll, you'll be in a good spot. You'll actually be able to help people as opposed, in, a, in a meaningful way as opposed to uh, beating your head up against the system. So I, I transferred uh, to, to Emerson College. Um, and during my time at Emerson, uh, I, I actually started uh, getting Google Ads certified while also experimenting a little bit on the SEO side. Um, so I, I took on a, a couple of freelance projects, uh, got a job right out of school, uh, working for one of the shady SEO companies. Uh, I'm not gonna name names. Um, suffice to say that it was directory SEO. Um, so it wasn't very good, but it, it really let me cut my teeth um, on the mechanics of internet marketing. Uh, I, I kind of got the sense, though, because directory marketing at, at the time, uh, this, this was in 2010, was not very good. Uh, I, I transitioned out uh, and actually started a nonprofit. Um, it, it didn't do well because um, I, I, I bank I, I funded it with with. Uh, my, my funds from, from working at the SEO company. Um, but it taught me a lot and actually gave me some really good connections to professors 
um, who would later um, give me inroads to actually teach PPC um, alongside of, of, of practicing it. Um, I eventually found my way uh, to WordStream uh, where I was able to, to really go from being a practitioner to um, an analyst to kind of seeing the trends in PPC. Um, WordStream, uh, for those who don't know, uh, it's a software company, um, billions of dollars of, of ad spend uh, under management. Um, and so you're able to see not just the individual tree that might be frustrating you, you're able to see the forest and what's influencing that tree um, and how you, you, can, you can problem solve. Um, I transitioned at the beginning of, of this year in January 2020 uh, over to Hennessy. Um, and so I'm, I'm now in a really interesting position where I'm, I'm still a practitioner. I still um, keep my teeth, uh, as, as one might say, uh, but I'm, I'm very much growing into also uh, a, a people manager. Uh, so it's, it's, an in, it's an interesting dance and I, I finally have the empathy for um, all the folks I've seen come before me where they go from practitioner to, to manager, uh, how, how hard it is to keep your, your practitioner teeth, your strategist teeth, um, as, as you go from uh, being in the weeds 24-7 to maybe you're, you're in the weeds uh, nine to five, four days a week, and then the rest of the time is, is spent on, on other projects. And cutting your teeth uh, certainly is interesting and, and an ever-evolving thing. I mean, I, I say it all the time, stuff changes, right? So we, we can't just stop and, and slow down and, and not keep doing that. Um, I mean, the same is true in PPC, right? Stuff changes all the time. Um, how, do you, how do you keep up and how do you, uh, how do you integrate it into your overall strategy in, in a meaningful way? So that's, that's what's really interesting. I will never, ever stop being a practitioner as an in-ad accounts um, because it's constantly changing. Um, the folks that, that lose their, their grasp are, are typically the ones that stop uh, actually operating in accounts. Uh, and so part of the, the way that, that you kind of uh, stay abreast of everything uh, is that you're, you're in accounts and you see these little changes uh, that happen every day. So for example, one change I saw that was, was actually kind of interesting, I put it on my Twitter, uh, is that when you make the change from uh, a smart bidding strategy to, to manual, Google will actually put up this big white screen, block out everything and say, smart bidding helps performance. Are you sure you want to switch? Um, like that's really predatory. Never mind that you have to go hunt for the, the, the ability to change it. Uh, they're, they're actually really making it seem like you're making a very big mistake going to manual bidding. Um, and so it's just understanding those little things like that. Um, other uh, shout outs I'll, I'll give. Uh, so reading uh, posts like Search Engine Journal, Search Engine Land, uh, following the Twitter chat, PPC chat. Uh, there are some great practitioners out there that, that put out great content. Uh, PPC Hero is great. Um, AJ Wilcox uh, for LinkedIn is, is great. Uh, Kirk Williams on e-commerce. Um, yeah, there's, there's just a, there's a bunch of, of really great practitioners actually. Um, one really good uh, Twitter thread that I that I love, um, and you're you're hearing me say Twitter a lot. I I do find that mm -hmm. um, Twitter, as much as there's a lot of negativity, uh, because we're human and we we put negativity out there. Uh, Amy Bishop puts out a really great curation um, of all of the the best different posts. Uh, so I would definitely follow her, uh, not just for her her individual posts, but also for her um, curation. Um, every Wednesday she'll do a wrap up of the top ten or so. Uh, most meaningful post to keep you abreast of everything that's going on. Uh, so I, I definitely support that. 
and I mean, so certainly Twitter, there is a lot of negativity, but you have to kind of figure out how do you how how do you read it? Who do you follow? Who do you mute? Um, a political Twitter exactly. is a dumpster fire most of the time. But um, you know, that's that's no fun. Um, so back in the day, as I said earlier, you know, I mean, I when I started in content marketing, I, I mean, I would I would really say we're doing we're doing content marketing. This is organic. This is blah blah blah, and that's still. I don't want to say haunting me a little bit to this day, but I actually literally had somebody the other day say, oh yeah, we don't need that much content focused. We need more SEM focused. And I, and I'm like, I was like, they didn't listen to me at all. <laughs> I talked about the integrated strategy. I didn't just talk about content. I didn't just talk about one specific thing, uh, but they, they made that connection, right? That's Christophe's content. If I want to do SEM or, or something else, I got to talk to somebody else. Uh, but how important is it to integrate all these things? And, and how do we how oh, do, we do it's, it? Oh, it's so, so, so important. Um, one of the, <clears throat> the things that's uh, really tragic, actually, is how uh, little time is spent in, in interfacing with our SEO content uh, PPC counterparts. Uh, we actually, uh, over at Hennessy, we have a dedicated 30-minute uh, huddle for uh, the PPC, uh, the SEOs, the, the local SEOs, uh, analytics, content, all to get together and talk about innovations. How can we better empower our clients? What are some trends that we, we need to uh, be, be abreast of in order to, to help serve our clients in a better way? What are some solutions that we can roll out once that will have uh, a, a big effect? So the number one thing I, I would say is that uh, have dedicated time where you interface with your colleagues um, and that it's it's not a competition of who gets credit. Um, last click attribution is, is last decade. Uh, we really want to focus, especially in this cookie-less world, um, we, we, we really do want to focus on how much profit are we driving together and how much are we empowering each other through our different efforts. The other piece to think about is that you're never going to be able to achieve a perfect result for everything you want to do with a one channel. Um, there will be certain uh, SERPs, search engine result pages, uh, that, that are always going to be too competitive to rank for just on content alone, just on technical SEO alone. Uh, there are going to be certain keyword concepts uh, or uh, channels, as in uh, placements, that are always going to be too expensive, that you would, you would actually lose money going after the amount of leads you would need uh, at scale uh, in order for the, the endeavor to be profitable. And so one, one of the things that I, I really like to do um, is to make sure that both the SEOs um, the content folks uh, and the PPCs uh, and, and the creatives on, on that side as well get together and analyze the search term reports, um, both organic and paid, uh, to see what are the concepts that are converting, what are the concepts that are not. Uh, what are the terms that we are historically not ranking for that it, there might be an opportunity with the cheaper auction price to go after that idea? Um, and, and where are, are we not quite, uh, it, there isn't that, that synergy. Um, in terms of the, the creative itself, I really, I, I get very um, militant when it comes to using this the same creative for every single audience. Uh, and so the, the other thing in this, I'm sure you'll, you'll appreciate as, as a content marketer, where content is your bones, um, really thinking about, is this persona, is this person useful um, to me that, that I'd want to create a whole 
marketing content flavor for them um, and, and really get all of my different channels aligned to speak to that one persona? Or are they, eh, if I get them, I do. If I don't, whatever. Um, and they get kind of get roped into some other persona. Uh, and that's the, it, that's at the heart of it is, is we, we are all content marketers. We're all producing content. Um, we just are using different channels to deploy that content. Uh, we don't want to think about who are the most profitable, profitable people uh, to, to serve that content to. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, even when you do ads, I mean, you have to write a good headline. You have to, um, you know, connect with your audience. And I always, I, I was doing a campaign the other day in Google ads and, and uh, the client was saying, well, can we say this? And I'm like, no, because we're out of space. Or no, you <laughs> can't, can't trademark anything else. <laughs> or no, you can't disapproval. No, you can't limited uh, approvals. Like it's like there, there, there are certain rules of engagement that follow for, <clears throat> for all the different channels. And, and that's the other thing when you asked about how yep. you, you, how can people keep abreast of all the different channels? Um, it's practice. Uh, and that's that's going to sound really frustrating, um, but there's a reason why 10,000 hours yields mastery. There there is value in in being a true specialist in one thing, but you still want to be aware and have enough kind of conversational knowledge in all the others, so that you don't make those mistakes and you end up wasting a bunch of money or uh, your your content doesn't land. Yeah, and what's interesting about the 10,000 hour rule is sometimes when I, not sometimes, but every time I speak at a conference, people want actionable steps that they can take away, right? Tomorrow, they can do tomorrow. But I think what sometimes people don't understand is that even if you know the steps, it's still a lot of work. Uh, so if, if you come to me and you say, hey, Christoph, you gained a few pounds, uh, you gotta lose weight. I'm like, sounds good. I know the steps on how to lose weight doesn't mean I can't do it or doesn't mean that I want to do it. Or, you know, even if I want to do it, it's hard work um, to eat less because food tastes good. The other thing that came to my mind on how the things have to integrate. So I was actually doing a content project with a client and I pulled them, I searched for their name and I didn't really know anything about them, right? Uh, the industry kind of, but I got on the call and I said, this is a really competitive industry. And they said, what makes you say that? And I said, well, I just Googled your name and you don't even show up. There's like five ads on top of your name <laughs> from competitors. Um, so you kind of have to take them all together, right? As, as one strategy, uh, not just, you can't just create content. I mean, even if they rank higher, doesn't make any difference because everybody else is trying is bidding for their their brand name. Right. So uh, this is this might be uh, controversial. Um, well, I, I know that it's I know that it's awesome. controversial because we it's, it's it's something that we debate about. Uh, I'm a big believer in bidding on your your branded terms and on competitor terms, but not for the reasons that you might suspect. Uh, branded terms have historically cheaper auction prices. Um, better uh, performance metrics, but particularly conversion rates. If your branded terms are, are eligible um, to come up in your general service campaigns, you'll have a lot of false positives. So you'll you'll think that you're getting a, a, a really great deal on a potentially expensive keyword concept. Um, but actually that's your branded term coming in and making it cheaper because of the rules of how match types work. 
um, and happy to include a, a post uh, to include um, in, in the follow-up because I, I don't know if you want to get into the into the weeds of match type mechanics. Um, but part of the reason why it, it's helpful to have that branded term in a, a separate campaign is that you're able to sequester all of those beautiful metrics and get the, the added value uh, of having the, the branded term in the account so it can empower all of your other campaigns in that account. Conversely, with, with competitor terms, you might want to um, snipe your competitor's traffic. You might want to drive up their cost per click. You also might want to uh, save your general service campaigns from the lower performance metrics that you're going to get with a competitor campaign. Uh, but you might also not necessarily want to block out those competitors entirely because uh, there, there is still is some degree of transactional value. So picking those top five to seven competitors and putting a competitor per ad group. And then again, your brand terms are negatives everywhere else save for the branded campaign. Your uh, competitors are negatives everywhere <coughs> save for the ad group that, that they represent. And you issue a budget that's not designed to drive lots of leads. It's designed to be a, a defensive budget. So if you're investing, say, $800, $1,000 a day, even $500 a day on your general service, you might invest 50 to 100 on your uh, branded. Uh, competitor, you might go the same as branded. You might keep it uh, a, a little bit lower, a little bit higher. It depends on on you and your brand. Um, but the, the, the main thing to think about with competitors, and this is a mistake I see a lot of people make, is that they'll do the same exact ad for every single competitor, or they'll combine all the competitors into a single ad group. Um, and the problem with that is that it, it then ignores the specific points of differentiation that each competitor has. Uh, and, and Christoph, as, as a contact guy, I, I mean, it, brands are different. Like, you, you, they speak in different ways. The, the, how we in, think about um, brands, and it, it, they're all different. So we want to really think about why are we better than a particular competitor and craft the ad copy speaking to that specific point of differentiation of why we're great not putting the, the competitor down. Um, because again, for trademarks, you can't include the competitor in, um, in the ad copy. Once they get to the landing page, go, go nuts. Feel, feel free to, to be as uh, sithy as, as you would like. Um, but on the actual ad, you, you, you want to mostly focus on, on your positives. And then again, on branded, um, that, that's your time to really guide the user almost like a, ho a homing missile to exactly where you want them to go so that you know you have the best conversion rates. Um, one of the, the, the main problems uh, with uh, relying on ranking uh, is that you can't necessarily guarantee exactly what content will serve. Uh, you're, you're, you're at the mercy of what Google okay. will, will pull in, into the spot. So with a, a a branded ad, you're able to really tailor the message, uh, put those site links exactly where, where they need to be. Um, and again, it's it's a really good defense play. So that's that's my rant about branded competitors. <laughs> very, very informative. Very, um, you can um, target the message with those brutal character limits. So uh, if you guys are complaining about how much space you have in a tweet, uh, go ahead and write some Google ads and you'll learn what's a brutal character limit. But what's interesting about uh, what you just shared there, Nava, it's, it, it's, um, it's very specialized, right? And it actually reminded me of a couple of different things. First of all, I was talking to somebody and they said, well, you know what we're trying to do? How would you start? And they expected a three minute answer. 
<laughs> maybe five minutes. And I was actually talking to a financial guy later, and I said, <clears throat> if I were to say to you, how do I transfer my 401k? That's not a five minute answer. That's like, you know, an afternoon of conversation, like what my goals are, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's very easy for people to forget how complicated it is. So when you just start talking, I'm like, I, I apologize. I'm stuff. very guilty very of that. Interesting. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's, but my, my point is like when I was, I was speaking at a conference, I think it was in California. And I said, who should be your digital analyst? And people kept going, uh, maybe this person, maybe that person. I'm like, let me rephrase the question. Who should be the writer on your team? And everybody goes, the writer. I'm like, so why would the data analyst be your office manager, for example, overstating it here. So same with paid. How do we fit paid on a team? I mean, it's everything is getting more and more complicated, right? How do we how do we do it? How I mean, do we need to hire another person who runs that and then they just collaborate across or or how does that I look love this reality? question? Um, because it, it goes to the heart of how people feel they have to evolve in their careers. Uh, but but in reality, we, we should be a, a little bit more um, empathetic to, to, to what tasks people enjoy. So I, I classify PPC practitioners kind of like you would if you go, were to go into a salon and there's kind of the junior uh, stylist, the, the journeyman, the advanced master, so on and so forth. You will always need um, entry-level practitioners who are able to do the work, but they have to be critical thinkers. Um, what's actually really interesting is that a lot of PPC practitioners also enjoy gaming, uh, board games, video games, um, even even things like fantasy football, um, anything where uh, in, or stocks, anything where it's worker placement, you have a set number of resources and you have to deploy them effectively. Uh, and so you, you want enough people who can think like that, but also who can adapt their their way of thinking to different rules of engagement, because the, the days of having a single PPC where all they do is Google ads, it, it's effectively done. You, you do need someone who can dance between Google ads and Facebook ads and LinkedIn ads, at least at the cursory level. Um, sure, you can have the specialist who really knows it, um, but odds are um, that's not gonna be as effective going to 2021 and beyond as the ad networks um, really do mitigate the, the need for, for that individual person. Um, next, you have the overall strategist. Um, so that's someone who's going to Sure, be in the account somewhat, um, but more likely they're thinking about what are the trends that are coming out from the ad networks and how can I deploy my team uh, to, to build accounts, to structure accounts according to that. So you typically have the practitioner, then you have the account lead. Your head of marketing um, is typically not the PPC. Um, because PPCs um, at the end of the day are very transactional. We, we by nature are very numbers driven. We, we have a creative side um, via all of the beautiful ads that we make, uh, via uh, audience mapping, things like that. But at, at the end of the day, we're typically very numbers driven. And you typically want in a head of marketing, someone who can see beyond the day-to-day -day execution. They, they need to be able to think uh, long-term 12 months 
three years out, so on and so forth. Typically, PPCs, um, the really good ones who can really run accounts, um, are, are good at quarter trends, six-month trends. At most, you'll, you'll get a year forecasting out of them. Um, now, when it comes to a, a PPC uh, versus an SEO versus social media management, so on and so forth, I would I would never say one discipline should out, should rank above another. They they should be at peer level, and there should be a lot of dialogue going between them because ultimately they're all serving the same brand, um, or they should be. Now, one thing that uh, is up for debate is whether you require your PPC to also be a te a technical PPC, as in they're the ones who are running not just the ad account but also your analytics, um, potentially um, scripts, running uh, the, the programmatic piece, potentially uh, doing work with Salesforce integrations, uh, Google Data Studio, or whether your PPC is more account management. And there's a whole other uh, arm that is entirely dedicated to analytics and, and data management. Um, the more enterprise you go, the more likely you are to have those be separate. The more uh, mom and pop, SMB, uh, or even lifestyle brand you go, uh, the more likely that, that PPC is going to be all-encompassing. Um, does that make sense? Did that answer the question? Or it... Yeah, you bet. So the, the one thing <clears throat> I heard you say a couple times now, and we hear it's like a recurring theme on the show, uh, you need to have the cohesion across like the 30 minute stand up meeting a day or 15 minutes or however long it might be. Uh, but why, why are companies struggling to implement that? Why, why is it so difficult? And I, I've seen it be difficult. I mean, even teams who do it really well sometimes have problems with it because they're like, oh, it's Monday. I don't want to talk meetings? to you yet. You know what I mean? They don't say that, but but you can you meetings can hear are the it in their voice. <laughs> like me meetings are a waste <laughs> of time. Um, because typically meetings are not focused on a specific, on a particular objective. And so I think a lot of companies fail at this, not because their heart isn't in the right place, but because they don't make it, um, a, a dedicated, there's an agenda to what we are going to accomplish within this 15 to 30 minute spot. This is exactly what I expect you to, to come prepared, bringing uh, come prepared uh, to the conversation. It's just, all right, guys, what, what do you think? What, what's going on? Um, and the other reason I, I think these fail is that it's very easy to book over these meetings. Um, that even if it's a standing meeting, it's like, oh, well, I have a client call. I can't make it. Oh, I have this other thing. I can't make it. Oh, I have all this work. I can't make it. Um, the only time this this sort of initiative is gonna be successful is if there's full commitment from everyone. I want to collaborate with my teammates and I'm gonna come prepared and, and be mindful and present when, when I'm in this meeting. Um, what's interesting is that we'll sometimes reschedule um, ours uh, if there is nothing to talk about. Like we're, we're not gonna force the meeting if there is literally nothing to do. Um, just having it there for the sake of it is is not useful to anybody. Um, and likewise, we'll also have impromptu ones. The more important point is that um, there's a constant dialogue. So sometimes, um, and, and this is especially true now that we're more remote, uh, having a Slack thread, a Skype thread, a, a Microsoft Teams thread, where you just collaborate offline 
where as inspiration strikes you, you can just talk and communicate and ask questions. Um, that might be a more productive path than having a dedicated 30 minute spot where everyone's sitting and, and, and doing that meeting. Um, I, yeah, meetings are, are very easy to just destroy productivity unless you're very, very mindful about what you want the meeting uh, to do. <clears throat> that drives me crazy when you have a meeting and people say, what do you think? And I'm like, about what? Um, <laughs> my iced coffee is not cold enough. Uh, that's currently what I'm thinking about. Um, so one of the things, of course, we always want results. And we're, you know, I was thinking about that when you talked about the Google example earlier um, about the, the what you call predatory. And um, of course, really what they're doing is they're trying to drive their own business results, right? Because they'll probably make more money if you don't, uh, you don't do, um, you don't do it the other way. But today, actually, guys, if you're listening to this on Friday, when it drops, we have a live stream this afternoon with Chris Daly. And he was on the show a couple of weeks ago, but he agreed to do a live demo of Google Optimize. So I'm very excited to watch that. Uh, and even if you listen to this over the weekend or later, uh, you know, the link will still be available on YouTube and other places. But, but Ava, how important is it to drive quick results? I mean, it seems to me every time you spend money on, on an ad campaign. So when I say, hey, let's do this content campaign, every once in a while people will argue too that they need results before the article even publishes or before the campaign even drops. But it seems like that pressure is even higher once we put money behind an ad campaign. Oh, the, the is pressure is there, perception? but that's actually the sign of a good client versus a bad client. Um, good clients will understand that there's a five day learning period um, for any major change that you wanna make in the ad networks. And net new accounts can take anywhere from two to six weeks to get ramped up uh, because Google has to learn uh, about your account. What's interesting is that the, the time to ramp up is different by network. So Google is, is historically very slow. Um, it, you are gonna need to build in time for the account to get ramped up and you should not expect results, uh, meaningful results until at least the 60 day mark. Facebook, on the other hand, rapid, rapid speed. Um, on, on the flip side, though, Facebook lead quality can fluctuate. Um, so on the e-commerce side, love Facebook. Amazing, wonderful, really great at, at uh, inspiring impulse purchases. On the lead gen side, you want to be really mindful about how you're setting yourself up because it's very easy to get someone to give you the lead. Um, but then they can forget that they that they gave it to you because it was on Facebook. They're They're not being mindful, they maybe didn't even go to your website. So it, it, it is really important when, when you're um, establishing an engagement with a client or you're establishing engagement with your boss or with yourself, um, that you're really mindful, how much time do I need uh, to, to get this off the ground and how much budget am I prepared to spend? So Google will, over the, the course of 30.4 days, average out what you put as your daily spend, but it can up to double it uh, if, if it needs to, to hit that average. So if you're not prepared to spend, in, in truth, $800 a day across 30.4 days, don't put 800. Um, that said, since COVID, um, I've actually seen campaigns require an added dollar amount placed within uh, Google Ads. It's just that 
uh, it won't actually spend that. So you might put 800, but then it'll spend 300 per day. Um, and, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Sometimes it can have to do with search volume. Sometimes it can have to do um, with the settings that you have, the targets that you've put. Sometimes it can do with, uh, it's just, there was a bunch of changes in Google's relearning your, your campaign. There, there can be a number of reasons for that. Um, but COVID actually did a number on the algorithms and we're only recently um, really coming out from, from the, the thick of it, um, particularly for folks uh, that pause their campaigns uh, during uh, that, that COVID period. Um, pausing a campaign is always going to uh, put you at higher risk uh, than say lowering the budget down to say $5 a day, uh, just so that it, it doesn't spend. So you really wanna be mindful about how much time you need um, before you're, you're held accountable. And also, what is what is a realistic budget that you're prepared to spend? And I mean, it's just amazing to me, anyways, when when a company doesn't want to spend five dollars a day on an ad campaign. <laughs> I mean, is it really? Are you really? Well, that's what's interesting. You, like, I I that? will not take a client on unless they're they're prepared to invest at absolute minimum fifteen k, but ideally twenty five k per month. Um, and that's actually for, for agencies on the lower side. And, and the reason for that is that when you are working with a smaller budget, it, it really makes more sense for you to put that fee that you would pay the agency into your ad spend because you need to give it that fuel. It's only once you've gone to the point where the account is, is ready to scale that it really does make sense to, to engage an agency. Um, there are some agencies that will build out accounts um, from scratch, and, and, and that, that can be great. There are agencies that use tools that, that can be great. It's just you want to be mindful at what stage are you in your business? Because the, the one thing that has always been true about PPC, PPC is very good at driving leads at volume and at scale. And you can sometimes bury yourself in success. So if, if you are not, if you don't have the infrastructure to take the leads that you'll be getting, even if they were quality leads, it's wasted spend because you weren't able to follow up with the lead. Right. Very interesting discussion today's guest, Nava Hopkins. Uh, where can people connect with uh, you? You can uh, connect with me on Twitter uh, at Nava F, uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, you can email me, uh, Nava at Hennessy.com. Uh, you can also get PPC tips uh, from my dog, HK47, uh, on Instagram, PPC Puppy. Uh, and of course, send me any PPC questions. Uh, I'm the Ask the PPC uh, for Search Engine Journal. Uh, always happy to, to answer questions. PPC puppy. Very cool. Um, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for sharing your insights. Really appreciate you making the time and um, oh, sharing thank you for having uh, me. all this information Cheers. for people. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next time.